0: Welcome to the Odds Pod. I'm Dave Hendrick, and I'm Ben Hennessy, and we're the team behind the upcoming Scout Comics title, The Odds. A slice
1: of life tale about the impact one brave kitten has on...
0: No, no, hang on, man. It's about a mass extinction event fueled by social media and greed. Ah oh, well. Anyway, this week on the Odds Pod, we're very lucky to have an artist who's no stranger to the halls
1: of Asgard. Is regularly recognised along the sunlit boulevard of Metropolis
0: is always at home hanging in the sewers with at least one radical amphibian. He's the latest art
1: sensation this little old island's produced and he's on a trajectory that will take him from Krypton and beyond. He
2: is the one and only Rory Coleman.
0: Hooray!
2: Thanks very much guys that was uh, that was a terrific intro I'm going to have to use that from a from a website
0: no worries man we we, we, we can lease it out to you it's fine yeah. yeah
2: always making money hey, you gotta do something you know yeah the hustle okay. never stops good silver man
0: silver server t-shirts don't pay for themselves you know <laughs> <laughs> but how why do we need so
1: many what's that everything we need... well? sorry guys there you go I'm gonna stop there and let you go into this conversation where we need to be oh. rolling me trying to make a stupid joke
0: <laughs> thanks Ben.
1: Yeah, things are
2: good. Um, just wrapped issue 18 of Superman. So, um, and I'm also back from Thought Bubble this past weekend. So, if the voice goes halfway through this, Kane uh, Tormi is to blame. Um, oh, yeah. Lots of Jameson.
1: When isn't he? When isn't he to blame?
2: Yeah. Uh, I said it's a great thing that we, we produced them on the island because we can blame him for everything now. <laughs> he doesn't even live here anymore. He messed it up for everyone and then he left for Spain. Yeah. Um yeah, key just, uh, move classic. Yeah, king. classic yeah. king. Uh, vintage Tormy. Um <laughs> yeah, so finished with Superman and I'm going back to um volume two of Astonishing Times, the Comicsology Originals book that we done with Aris Quinones and Frank Barbieri.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I, I really enjoyed volume one. Um, I suppose for the listeners who aren't familiar with it, give us give us an overview.
2: So uh, volume one began with the story of Noah Sands, who's a he's a journalist who runs a superhero centric um, newspaper article, But they live in the world where superheroes have been like their passe. They've been around for years. and no one's really interested anymore until Noah stumbles on a conspiracy. That involves murdering the the Golden Age superheroes, and that sets them on a on a whole. I'll well, not ruin too much in case anybody wants to pick it up on Comicsology, but it's a whole murder mystery slash action adventure um, available on Comicsology. Um, and being a Comixology original, it's it's fairly cheap, and it's been out now. The trade collecting everything's for like a fiver, and it's chock full of um, concept art and inks and covers and
1: things as well so yeah buy it yeah no, um, the back matter and digital package is absolutely stellar yeah uh, i love seeing that kind of stuff as an artist it's always great to see another artist's approach to design and concept and yeah it's it's awesome Same. nothing gives me more
2: pleasure than picking up a trade and seeing all that stuff in the back i was kind of disappointed that um they didn't go with it for the the dark horse um oh yeah the the print edition but the way the comicsology, the comicsology deal works, we pretty much own like a lot of the material and stuff. So I don't think there's anything stopping us maybe putting together like a making of book and uh, doing like an art yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. Just based on it. We talked about that a while ago. So I'd love to get back to doing that because I spent so long. There's so much, there's just like the computer's full of superhero designs and things. And then
1: said with volume two, we're doing it all again. So there's even more to put out that'd be awesome i'd be all over that like uh, an artist's um edition of of the two volumes you've created that'd be amazing like uh like how much material do you have um because it was five issues wasn't it it was five issues yeah um i don't know like
2: i I try to design in like superheroes is such a tough job because obviously there's so many iconic superheroes already Mm -hmm. and you want to do something that like you're using that visual language, but you want to do something completely original. So like there's just pages and pages of sketches of some, some things came out pretty much half formed, like cooking the, um, the cyborg samurai came out kind of half formed because it was, I think the pitch was that he was like a cyborg samurai slash like U S military style. And I was like, well, that's metal gear solid. So I'll pull those books oh. off the chef shelf. The nice. But for like uh, infinite and things, I didn't want to like, just go, do a derivative of superman or flash mm-hmm. for gold rush so those were kind of like just starting with nothing and throwing down shapes and things and things so there, there's a lot there's a bit of repetition and then you can see like a an idea form so i don't think everything's usable but there's quite a bit there
1: cool it's amazing how much work is done before there's ever like a pen put towards the actual book that people see you know
2: i know yeah. and if it's not for like things you know at least for this, like if we did put a book like this, out, it's very rare to see something like that. I mean, it's great to see the designs in the back, but you want to see what goes into making that final design, don't you? Like yeah. the journey that someone went on.
1: And yeah. it's amazing sometimes like where they could have started to where they ended up, you know, somewhere completely mm-hmm. different. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'd love to see that. If you put that out, yeah, I'm guaranteed you can take the money off me right now. And so, um, Aris and Frank, if you're listening, let's,
2: let's make that happen. That's one sale guys. One sale Yeah, in the, can- Here we go. In the bank. <laughs> yeah.
0: I do think there's a, there's an instructional element to that, that, you know, really appeals to people in the industry as well, you know, um, and it's something that you can, that we all can learn from, you know, writers and artists, um, alike, uh, you know, from my perspective as a writer, before we start working on a book for myself and Ben started working on the odds there was a good few months really of that kind of concept work and checking in with each other mm-hmm. i'm I'm not prescriptive at all when it comes to character design you know i i like to work with an artist and allow the artist to you know work to their best ability and their 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 best strengths you know that's why that's why you work with an artist i think um and if you're Telling an artist what to do all the time, I don't think that really works, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, but you know, there there you know, you've got to build that um, that world. You've got to mm-hmm. build that trust with each other as well. You know that you can you can deliver to the best of everybody's ability. And yeah, like you said, you know, nobody's really, unless you're in it, you know, nobody's really aware of the amount of work that goes into getting one character over the line, you know, a whole new pantheon of superheroes like you guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The great thing was with like, there was a real like symbiosis with Aris and Frank from the get-go where I, I I find that I just can't take any, I don't know if anybody could really take something from scratch, you know, if it wasn't for what those guys had already written about the characters shared with Mm -hmm. me and the relationships between the characters, I probably would have been like pulling up just images of, you know, existing superheroes and trying to do something not derivative but would have been derivative for
1: character yeah
2: yeah Yeah. that kind of thing whereas like they had like ideas for each character and how they related to each other and that would inform even things like the height of each Mm -hmm. character depending on how how each person felt about someone else you know you could put it across different ways and um and things like that so like without their work and then like us sort of kicking back and forth about elements that they liked and things. Um, I don't know where it would have been. I don't think it would have been possible anyway. And then um, what I like to do was with characters like Koken was like just throw in my design sheets. There's lots of like, I just designed weapons and stuff for him. And um, then that was able, we were able to work those into the, the comic pages then. You That's know, cool. so it was Yeah. Um, and
0: their story elements in their own right as well then. You know, it's because they mm-hmm. add so much to, to what that character does and how he does it. And, you know, yeah. there's a certain a certain amount of rising involved with those
2: weapons. Yeah, everything should tell you, everything on, on the character that you design on a character should tell you something about the character. Mm-hmm. So like the thing with Koken, I remember um, in issue one, towards the climax, there's a, there's a position where Koken's fighting two cops and he has he's distracted by one and the other one pulls a gun on him. And I think in the script they were saying like he, you know, he throws a ninja star over his shoulder and takes the other guy out. But um, I wanted to do a bit more like tech kind of stuff with him. So like in the hilt of his sword, we put a a taser mm-hmm. gun. So like it shot out. And that was literally something like no matter what's going on, Koken kind of has it discarded or he has like a, a, a solution for every problem. But at the same mm-hmm. time, he probably doesn't need those even like he's able to like it's a matter of efficiency for him. So he has guns, he has swords, but he could probably do it with his bare hands. And he does in uh, issue two, but it's kind of like, it's a matter of what's the most efficient way to do it for yeah. him. So he's loaded for bear, but he probably doesn't need any of it. That was kind of the, the attitude. And then that's obviously plays into things like body language and, and how you portray him in each panel and stuff as well. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of thinking goes into it, but unless the character is fully formed and that's, obviously between the writer and the artist you bring them to life but the main sort of stew is already there with with the writing yeah and that's what i love about it that whole collaborative aspect you don't get it anywhere else or at least unless you're like i don't know movies or something but to have such an intimate team of like mm-hmm. three or four people and to be able to to do all that it's it's magic when it does work i'm sure you guys have probably been the same Bringing this all together
0: um, we make magic all the time <laughs> i can
2: tell <laughs> i can feel it just being in your presence even digitally
1: <laughs> well, but I, I, we get what you're saying like we made up a Back lot magic. even when there was like initial mm-hmm. character designs to see if they felt right like initially i think i had finn one of our, our main guy he was he was smoking and that didn't really work We got rid of that we moved on and yeah there, there's a lot of like kind of like trial and error make sure you get this and see if that fits and i think when you like there, there is a bit of a synergy involved between the writer and the artist. When I think you have something, like you were talking about the weapons, you know, as soon as you have something, you can see you can now use that in the story. Or if you know a character has, like a, I don't know, a gilet with a million pockets on them or something, you know, you can use mm-hmm. these things. He's probably going to store bits and pieces around them, This kind of stuff, or if he's you know wearing spandex, he can't that kind of stuff. Uh, all yeah. these things will kind of affect the team and how they go forward. And it, it's interesting there. You mentioned how you how you portray a character like uh is there like are you are you acting things out when you're trying to find the right poses are you studying kind of uh, uh acting in some form or, or are you looking at books like people watching that kind of stuff or or how are you how are you coming up with uh, your your performances for the characters um mostly I'm, I'm putting it down to even just things like
2: composition and framing in the character you know to tell the di- the personal dynamics between people with that mm-hmm. and then Mostly just yeah, getting the facial expression expression right. It's a lot of Google searching. I don't have the uh, the confidence to like take a lot of mad photos of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't doing facial expressions. I will if there's like um, you know, if there's if there's anatomy problems or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll do reference photos of that. But um, mostly, um, yeah, I'll sort of figure out the facial expressions and body language. I just kind of feel it out a little bit. I think sometimes. Sometimes it's probably a little too animated looking, but also at the same time, I think with comics, you have to follow that rule of the theater where like you act for the back row. So sometimes mm-hmm. it has to be a bit more extravagant. So like everybody, regardless of their, um, you know, their, their visual literacy can tell how people feel. So I probably have more nuanced looking pages if I did do things like that. Like, is that something that you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do it all the time. Um, just coming from animation, like, uh, oh, we, we had to act out the stuff. So I, have kept that going on. And I remember going through one page with Dave that I, I couldn't, we have one weird kind of character. He's really big, but he acts kind of strangely. And I was trying to act, I was, I think I was back and forth on one pose and him and one panel for about two days. Every, every time I drew it and came away, I was like, "That's ah, crap. You need to go back and do it again. It's not right. And I got this little gorilla pod and, um, like a little tripod thing i put my phone on and uh, i couldn't get the angle and me and dave were kind of chatting here one night and uh i think whatever way we came up with i realized i could probably stick it up on that light up over oh, me right. and i could probably find the angle and yep. um i think i had like a he only has like it's someone else's talking so it's him reacting so i just kind of had about maybe a you know a couple of seconds of him uh trying to react to finn's dialogue and all of a sudden. Always worked. That was it. Didn't have to go back for it anymore. I should have done it from the get go. And now I just do it. All the time. Yeah.
2: yeah. It, it once once you do you sort of use a bit of reference and you realize the time it saves. Oh. Even just to know like
1: the,
2: the points, you know how long arms should be or whatever. Even just simple mm-hmm. things like doing this when I'm sitting with my arms folded, drawing people with their arms folded is torment. You know, to get the foreshortening right to the You think you know how to whatever. do it.
1: And then you go to draw yeah. it going, oh, wait, wait a minute. Where oh. does the wrist yeah. go? Yeah. 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 They unfolded exactly. their arms.
0: They'd be like five feet long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That
2: kind of thing. Also, <laughs> so, uh, having
0: having that kind of reference material, like, it's great for back matter. You know, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. there's there's gonna be so many photos of Ben in strange
1: positions. And <laughs> there, there's not, there is not. There has to be. There has to be. I'm Maybe we'll have a Patreon to get people to pay for it. You know, um, uh, they don't want um, to see it though. Yeah. <laughs> they just it's just photos of me slowly aging and getting older. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ben with a the board of have...
0: human <laughs> parts. <you know>? Yeah.
1: <laughs> me swinging around uh, like a tube for posting pictures. That's supposed to be like a sword or something oh, no. or yeah holding that supposed to be a gun i use yeah. that prop a lot it's everything to me
0: yeah that's <laughs> yeah, cool i mean every environment in the book looks like ben's office It's really cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> every
1: room is three hats hanging up on a wall yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for people fun. who don't see this there's three hats hanging up on the wall behind me there are they look yeah. lovely Thanks.
0: Yeah. yeah, they're they're really yeah. really elaborate hats. You know, there's like a Carmen Miranda banana thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> Something with feathers.
1: Uh, that's kind of a yeah, that's Austrian my uh, kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and yeah.
0: A, and a, a massive sombrero. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's what I was wearing when I found my wife. That's how I got her. Found her. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we
0: might move on from there. <laughs> yeah. So, Rory. You're here for a reason, you know. Everybody who comes on the Odds Pod, we've we've one big question to ask them, and that is, what is your favorite apocalypse?
2: Um, we're spoiled for choice at the minute with the uh, cost of living, um, monkeypox, the the threat to democracy across the world. But you never forget your first, and <laughs> so I'm here to talk about the nothing, oh, which is a oh, nice one. Yeah, the apocalypse from uh, the never ending story. Fantastic. Fantastic. So That's a good one. never ending yeah. story.
0: The film came out in 1984.
2: Now wow. there's no way you saw that in the cinema. You're you're not the same age as no, you. it's no, it's the year I was born. Yeah. Um, I do I I vividly remember the first time seeing it. I don't know what age it was. It was one of these things that was on at Christmas mm-hmm. and we recorded it off the uh, the TV and it was watched religiously. M- my brother, more so than me, is really into anything with like, you know, practical effects and especially from sure. the 80s, you know, like the Henson yeah, um, productions awesome. and stuff. So anything it has like puppets They're and stuff, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was on all the time. And I watched it so much as a kid, I thought I could probably act in it. And then since then, I've maybe only seen it like two or three times, but it's stuck. It's stuck in there. It's
0: deep. a it's a fantastic film.
2: It's you know it's uh, I rewatched it before obviously coming on here and th- it's a misery of a film. It's <laughs> it's it's so, it's, uh, yeah. it's so bleak yeah. but so beautiful. Yeah, it's an amazing looking movie and the the soundtrack is it's I, what's what, there's a different word you can't say iconic because that's imagery. What's the word for like if something sounds? it's like that same impact. Have I, I'm, I'm throwing it to you, Dave. Yeah, You're the writer. fair enough. I, I <laughs> He's good, got all the good words. Yeah, good, yeah. good, good. <laughs> good <sound. laughs> really, really The, good the, yeah, the yeah. music is yeah. really, really good. Mm. It is really good. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> so there were two versions of the soundtrack as well. There was a, a oh. version, there was a German version of the soundtrack and, no uh, and there's, there's a whole other like story around the German version of the movie, but it, it's shot uh, the same, like it's the same movie, but there's a lot of um, special effects trickery in terms of, you know, changing things into German and and that type of thing. And that's that was a nod to the, to the book it's based on by Michael. Mm-hmm. Landa. So um, he was, he's a German author. It was originally, originally published uh, in Germany. It was a massive hit there, but um, Georgioma Roeder was brought on for the soundtrack for the, for the U S release. Um, and that's why it is good. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, like you know the 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 king of of the um, synthesizer you know um, yeah uh. and then you know the, obviously the iconic Lamal track that he wrote as well you know Um, which featured oh did he write that yeah Morota wrote that yeah which he featured which featured in Stranger Things there a while ago as well oh did it I haven't oh, seen yeah. season 3 yet is it season what season are they on 4 I think they're on yeah, 4 season- now but in season two yeah. it was a there's a, there's a yeah, it features features quite quite prominently in it, I think.
2: It's pretty good. Um, oh, it. it does. That's right. Yeah, that I was giddy laughing the whole way through that. <laughs> if it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, they're on the uh, phone to each other or something. They're yeah,
0: on the the, yeah. the radios to each other. Anyway, um, yeah, the nothing. What a what a fantastic concept. So I went to see Never Ending Story in the cinema when I was, whatever, eight or nine. And I was blown away by it because it was like, there's this little asshole of a kid who you know likes <laughs> all this shit that i like you know and is having more or less the same issues in school and stuff that i was having you know i was like oh you like this stuff no it's you know why don't you like soccer um and uh yeah just completely related i did not have my own you know dog dragon um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, but then I didn't have to save a, a whole other civilization either. So that was good too. Yeah. Uh, so it really hit home with me. It struck and I sought out the book and I, you know, everything else. And like the book, so the movie is about half of the book. The second half of the book um has Balthazar, the 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 boy character, um, on on kind of this side of of the divide between our world and and fantasy. Um has him uh, go to Fantasia actually physically end up there. So at the, I think at the end of the movie, he's he's riding Falcor and it's going, to, yeah, and that's mm. the end. Of it. But in the book, he goes on into Fantasia on on Falcor, and when he's there, there's like this Faustian pact. It gets so much darker. It's already wow. really, really yeah. dark, and then it gets so much darker because for as long as he spends in Fantasia and for everything, for anything he does in Fantasia, he loses a memory of the real world or the world he came from. So eventually he ends up with just his name and he remembers his father
2: and that's it. Mm -hmm. That's what they say, isn't it? Where in order to get out, he, he can only wish to leave Fantasia on his very last wish. But obviously the trick is he can't remember who he is or the whole idea that he has yeah. this pact that, and then there's this beautiful sequence where he just finds himself in like the ice caps or something. And he's living with uh this miner, but the miner yeah. he goes down into like the glacier and mines dreams. Yeah. I, it was just, it, it was amazing. Like I would, yeah. it was a whole beautiful sequence. That's, um It's like a Stephen King book, that whole second half in that there's just all these like, Anecdotes, but they're all so imaginative and believable, and like a lot of them are very moving too. Oh, it's a it's a Um, kid's
0: book written with adult sensibilities, definitely. mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't it doesn't pander to children at all, like not even not remotely. You
2: know, yeah. And in hindsight, the movie doesn't really either. Like, um, Mm -hmm. it starts off make it like that anymore. No, you couldn't get away with it. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes. like it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it like, yeah, it, it doesn't hide behind anything. It's not, it's not subtle and it's, you know, discussion of anything like right off the bat. Um, he's at the breakfast table saying like, oh, I've, and he's trying to open a jar of something. And he's like, oh, I had a dream about, about mum last night. And, uh, and the dad's just like, well, you know, she's dead. We got to like get over this and get on my life. doesn't even help him open the jar, I think. And then just heads out to work. Yeah, Uh, to the point where yeah the kid's halfway through talking to him and the dad's gone and like that's the first scene it's it is definitely like um, yeah it's it's very very mature in those things and as a kid I didn't notice it which I suppose speaks to like you know um, what kids pick up and what they don't because like when I was older that's what I was saying like it's so bleak and miserable but like as a kid all I remember is like the rock biter
1: and the Masons, you know and all was awesome. It was all these bits where you're going to school on Monday and tell your friends, did you see that film? Yeah. Did you see the bit where this guy did this thing? Oh, that was amazing. And then like 20 oh, yeah. years later, you're going, oh my God, I'm bawling my eyes out because uh, this horse is dying. In a oh, house. hey, we'll get
0: to the, the horse. horse.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Artex. Uh-huh. Yeah. He talks in the book, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's... That's some, some scene. But yeah, let's focus on the nothing for a second because... Mm. You, mm-hmm. you never really have a, you know, there's no voice, there's no consciousness. It's just barreling through this, this land of dreams and wiping, just erasing things out, just, and it's such a terrifying villain slash entity slash apocalypse, whatever it is. You know, it has its agent in that wolf character. Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting because there's a few ways of looking at the nothing, you know, it, here's, you know, there's a kid reading this book and he's gone through this hugely traumatic event and losing his mother and, you know, nothing's going to be the same again. It's, he's looking at the world as someone who is without a key component now he's, you know, there's, there's the absence of someone in his, in his life forever. And you have this kind of parallel kind of metaphor of the nothing, which is, which is that really it's grief. You know, from when I was reading it, it was certainly to my mind, it was grief. It was like, what do you do with grief? You know? And it just, it can destroy things. Um, and you've got this per kid who's trying to make sense of it all and trying to fight it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And then other people I've spoken to about it, you know, they've kind of had different takes on it where, you know, they, they try and quantify what nothing is. So can nothing be something Mm -hmm. get into these weird philosophical kind of loops on nothing, you know? Um, and it's, it's nearly like what, what existed prior to the universe, nothing, but there had to be something, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and was, was nothing something. And, is nothing the absence of everything or just the absence mm-hmm. of something? Um, and it like it's such a deep question for a book that's aimed at
2: like 10-year-olds <laughs> that, or a yeah. film that's aimed at five-year-olds, you know? Um, yeah. And the best way they have to sort of ex- describe in the book, and it's in the dialogue in the movie too, where it's just that thing of like, we had a lake. And then the lake was gone. Did it dry up? No, no. Then there would be, uh, you know, a dry out lake. That's something. There's there's nothing. And the only way that I could think of it is like, have you ever had a migraine so bad like you lose your peripheral vision? Like that, like, you know, there's something there. Well, there's nothing there, but you know that whole, it's, it's such dis- a disorientating thing of like, there should be something out this side of me where like, you know, you wave your hand at the side and you can no longer see it. It's that kind of, that's the closest I could get from it. Obviously in the movie, they have to, put something there so it's those amazing like cloud effects but yeah, I, I still yeah. don't know how to do those all these years later you know um, they used to have them I think they had it in the sky in Ghostbusters you know over the um, over the city whenever the the ghost all in free it was just a massive thing that was in everything in the 80s mm-hmm. looked fantastic
1: don't know how to do it or they had all kinds of stuff going on where they, they came up with an onset on the day. And then if they, were, they get asked to reproduce it, they, they can't remember how, you know. Like I've a,
0: seen a, something it was, about you know. it where I think it was done in a fish tank. And really? they, yeah, <laughs> yes. they would film the whatever they put into the water kind of moving, you know. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, and then that shot would be plated on over over something else the, yeah. The yeah film you know and it was it would it would run it that way but that's that like that's a really good point because looking back on those movies especially like I mean this was released in in the States it didn't get here until the winter but because you had to wait forever for movies because yeah. there were physical things that had to be flown around the world Um but in the States it was released in July 84 which was Ghostbusters, Mm. Gremlins, uh, Temple of Doom, um, a personal favorite of mine, Breaking. Um, Like there were these huge, Karate Kid, there were these huge genre movies that year, that month, and it still stood kind of side by side with them Um, internationally. I think in the US Mm. it didn't do so well, but... Internationally, it it's certainly certainly um, held its own, you know?
1: I think, I think a lot of those films are being remade or, or reproduced in some form today, even. You know, well,
0: with, with those yeah. movies, so many, like, all had practical effects, obviously, because digital effects were only in their infancy at that stage. And when you look at the ingenuity on screen in July 1984, like, mm-hmm. just mind-blowing, you know? And people being kind of kitchen sink scientists you know to, to build these solutions like I, I don't think we'll ever see the likes of it again you know maybe there is a digital equivalent of coming up with a gozar on the spot or whatever it is you know um but I think there's there's a lot to be said for those practical effects
1: 100%. You know, that yeah, were like
0: created in the moment
2: yeah, that it's that thing of like you know limitation being the mother of invention that there is no other way to do it, so you have to think of a way to do it. It's like um, another thing that we all love, Batman the animated series. You know, like some of the most iconic things that they do was literally because um, the the code like the sensors wouldn't allow us to show like Robin's parents dying, so they just showed the the trapeze swinging out with Swing. them on it, and then mm. swinging back like empty, and it was huge and that's the thing um it, i love watching movies from the 80s you know on like dvd or blu-ray with the the commentary from the practical effects guys because it's um you just to hear just as you say like um just figuring it out on the fly having a budget and being like someone's off building the puppet for this and somebody else is just figuring out like how to uh, float Sigourney Weaver in the air in a way that like Bill Murray can move all around her and you never see the strings yeah mm. phenomenal
1: like yeah
0: what a what a time to be alive you know it was
1: amazing yeah. well, it's really contradicting to what you're talking to nothing being you know because like again you know in in nothing being something that's just destroying uh reality or creation all this kind of stuff all these people are having to yeah double their efforts in trying to create what is the nothing. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's that's that's kind of funny. I never really yeah. thought about that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But what was it about I, the nothing like... that appealed to you? Like what was it uh, was it terrifying to you? Was it this it is, weird yeah. thing? Yeah. Well it just do you know on. the do you know the idea that you could
2: just like walk out your door someday and like half your street be just getting ripped up into like a, a cyclone and gone like and like you were saying before Dave, it's just it's it's unrelenting, but it's uncuring. It doesn't have a motive. It just is there to not even consume everything, but it's just taking it all away. To even say that it's there to consume something is to give it a motive, and there's none. There is literally nothing. It's it can't be bargained with or, or reasoned with, and that this sort of leads you into like um, Donald Pleasant's whole bit about Michael Myers, but it is literally it's like a horror movie villain, or like you know like a zombie plague or something. Like it's mm. it's never going to stop. I um...
0: I think it goes to the core of, of, of genre and of fiction and certainly of Western storytelling, you know, and if you go back and look at, you know, Dante and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where, where hell is the absence of God it's not so much the punishment. It's the fact that, you know, you're never going to feel God's love again. You know, that kind of thing. It, it, that's what the nothing is. It's the absence of creation. It's the absence mm-hmm. of, you know, something that will, was in your life that is now gone, you know? Um, and it is that kind of huge, overwhelming grief that you just don't know how to deal with.
2: Yeah. And I think that's what you were saying. Like that to me is what, you know, it represents is, his grief you know the loss of his mother and it, it's telling then that how he defeats the nothing nothing is to give the child like empress his mother's name and then that, that kind of like then the nothing just stops and then but there is still nothing and then mm-hmm. that's when he has to like build it all again each wish sort of brings back part of fantasia or you know creates it all over new but um good also has like a, a a whole spiel about what the nothing is and it's kind of um um, it's kind of like Noam Chomsky and it's it's thing of like hey, I'm here I, I represent the power behind the nothing and the whole message is kind of like it wants to break people's imagination and people's will because they're just better they're better workers then, they're better workarounds if they don't have like dreams to yeah. to hold on to there was this whole like put them into the workforce because you're a child and you need to you know grow up to be to be a contributor to yeah. the system you know is it real like um, industrial complex kind of thing from from the wolf, the talking wolf, yeah, as well.
0: Quite, quite anti-capitalist for for a July nineteen eighty four movie, you know.
2: Yeah, Reagan and exactly. Yeah, uh, greed is good. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because you know I can't think of anything quite even similar to it in any other aspect. I mean. It's like trying to have the brainstorm about it, there. Like the only other thing I can think of is, is like something like in 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 the Santa Claus, where you know when people stop believing in him, he loses his power. You know, but like there's no other like, uh, like a like a kind of a bad guy that's represented in the form of nothing is. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's. I mean,
0: uh, it's been mentioned before on the podcast, but there is that, and I think I think Marvel may have nicked the nothing over over the years, but certainly the ultimate version of Galactus as this intergalactic subspace plague that would just eat everything in its path, you know, reminded me of the nothing back in the day, you know. Um, and you do see that kind of nihilistic just dearth of creation come up mm. in, in in fiction quite 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 a bit um but i don't think i think to your point ben i don't think anybody has made it work in what is a kids film absolutely and, yes. yeah and, you know totally you know if you were the right age and you were around at the right time and you saw that movie that stayed with you forever mm-hmm. i mean my dad brought me to see never ending story i guarantee you he can't remember a second of it mm-hmm. you know i'm sure he was wondering what time it was over at. um <laughs> but with me it was like oh my god you know i I'm, i know this story inside out and backwards just from the first time i saw it let alone the fifth time or the you know reading the book or or whatever it was um there were some sequels made
2: i don't know if you're aware Uh-huh of yeah. I Briefly uh, Remember the end Of the second one mm-hmm. And I remember Like a young Jack Black In the third one But I don't I don't remember anything else Right, there's a
1: young Jack Black In the third one I
2: don't remember that at all Yeah He's oh. one of the bullies uh, they oh, being Like hey. There's three bullies Running around Like messing with him and, and Jack Black's one of them I think he's, well, still,
0: you know, he's dude, I think he's still a teenager Isn't he he's Yeah
2: Quite young I'm thin From what I remember I think so to, to yeah, to, yeah. Comparatively <laughs> Yeah, but um no, I don't I don't remember. I think uh what do you call the actor and he was in like um was he in one of the Star Trek series was it like Sequest or the guy he played like Bill Denbro in the the 1990 it movie. I think he was Sebastian in the second one. Okay. Uh I can't remember his name. No, he was like in everything in the early 90s.
1: Um no. He was kind of the cave character in a lot of films for a while. Uh, I can't yeah. remember. Him. Yeah, yeah. If it's the yeah. guy I'm thinking of. Yeah, his name completely
2: escapes me now, though. Because um, that was the thing for the second I was like, oh, that guy's in it. You know, as you would have yeah. been as a kid. It's like the thing from that other thing that I watch. And um that's one of those things that happens as a kid, especially in like the 80s, where there were so many amazing movies. And like certain people would have popped up in different ones. And then they were gone by the time you were an adult. But like, I'd be talking to my mom and be like, do you remember the girl from that thing? It's just like, what, what thing? What, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't watch those movies, you know. It was like, it was everything to me as a kid. And you would sort of see people pop up in different stuff and think like, everybody sees this, right? We all know that this person's an amazing actor. And it's like, they quit when they were 12. There yeah. were only
0: about five actors back then, though. Yeah, true.
2: <laughs> you know,
0: and they they just, you know, do the... Do the, uh, do the rounds. I mean, yeah. it was um, Chris Pine's dad, who was in everything, and uh, four other people. You know, that was that was yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the two quarries the two <laughs> and um Macaulay Culkin. Oh, he was the nineties, even he, wasn't he was even 90s. There in the 80s. He was nineties. Yeah, but we were playing I, some of the other guys. I'm just I am it at the moment. And we had we had a,
0: a chap by the name of Jason James Richter, who played Bastion in Never Ending Story Three. And he was also he was the kid in Free Willy. There you go.
2: See, five actors, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, that one guy getting yeah. all that work. My mum does remember um, the never-ending story. I have a, a Shih Tzu named Buddy, and uh, he's like white and like a honey brown. He's very light, and he's impossibly long for like a Shih Tzu dog. And he does this thing when he goes to my mum's house. He just, he comes in and he says hello to everybody, and then he just wants to leave. Oh. And how he's, I'm how like he can
0: as well, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you don't do this, but what he does to like, you know, <laughs> Make sure everybody knows is the scent. Is he walk into the middle of the room, turn in a circle, and then like lie down as flat as he possibly can? And he's almost like Valcor. That's the mom (laughs) says he like. He reminds me of the big, the big dog thing in in Never Ending Story. The way he's like stretched out. But for me, whenever he starts barking, I don't know if you guys have ever heard a Shih Tzu bark. It just it goes through you. It's the yeah. worst sound ever. And um, when he barks, he reminds me of, remember Fizgig from The Dark Crystal? Oh, no. He's just yeah. like a mouth. He's yeah. just a mouth and noise. So that's that's the impression he's left on me. He's but, so appealing. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, doesn't he? Isn't he wonderful? I love him. He's a jerk. A,
0: um, we're the same. I have, I have a white schnauzer and um, she, she everywhere we go, like people of a certain age will look at her and go, Folklore. You know,
2: oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> it's
0: cool. It's cool. Uh,
2: and I, I, it's uh, before I went to Thought Bubble, I dropped the dog at my mum's house. She took him for the weekend, and uh, she'd actually she he, he'd done it again. So as soon as like we dropped, we got into the house, he'd he'd done the the flap as we call it, and I she was like, "Oh, it reminds of me of the dog. dog." And I was saying, "After Thought Bubble, I'm I'm coming on the uh, the podcast and um, talk about the movie." It's like, yeah that was a really depressing film I was like you guys love, you, you two loved it me and my brother you two loved it um, when you were kids but I just remember thinking it was just so sad everything was so sad it? and I it was like yeah. no idea then but yeah that might be a good segue back into talking about poor old Artax
1: yeah oh god yeah what a moment <laughs> I, I forgot about that I blacked that out uh, for years and I, yeah. I saw someone like put up a, a, a gif of that uh, that scene and I went oh yeah yeah that happens yeah um, oh, it,
2: yeah, just ends on a scream in the in you know in the darkness of him like calling the name and then he's just sitting in the in the muck on his Marcus. own. Yeah, uh, it's a hard transition. <laughs> there is there is no um, there is no solace at all to be had with that giant turtle. No, she does. She could not cure less. No. No, what an just... amazing design as well, though. Yeah, yeah.
0: And doesn't so is so enormous that mm-hmm. we're just, you know, humans would just be bugs to her. And yep. there's no, yeah, there's absolutely no emotional connection there at all.
1: And but she's a bit like the dad, not opening the door for the kid at the start of the film, you know. That's it. Yeah. And she's completely
2: <laughs> yeah. apathetic. She's like, mm-hmm. um, ah, oh, yeah, no, I, I know everything, but um, I don't care. <laughs> we're all gonna die. That's fine. I don't I don't care. Yeah, but you yeah, know
0: she, she'll be last. Um, given given the fact that she you know is 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 so ancient and will continue to be, um, ancient. So I, you know, that 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 always struck me as a bit unfair.
1: Mm. Uh, she. I think had you kind of nailed it there, though. That the lack of empathy, that apathy. That's exactly what the nothing is, isn't it? It's like because there's no belief or or, or desire in something or enthusiasm about something, then it's, uh, yeah, it's such a bummer. Yeah, yeah. It, it dies. Yeah, I mean, that's. That's, that's, that's terrifying, you know? Yeah. And Um, everything,
2: everything about that whole setting, that whole scene is just, it's so dark and bleak. Like mm -hmm. the mud is pitch black, everything. Like she, she's not even like, she's a turtle by look, but she's so gray and drab. Like there's no, there's no joy anywhere to be seen. Like Mm -hmm. even just to look on the scene is, it drains you just to. And
0: you know, that mud's cold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't a warm swamp. This isn't, you know, central Florida or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> this is yeah, there's um, not a bug about no this is this is horrible yeah no, no yeah. nowhere can nothing can live in it you know it's um yeah it's mad so we should um mention that the film was directed by wolfgang peterson who prior to that was famous for das boot a no way story uh-huh. yeah yeah an oscar oscar winner um uh, Oscar winning story of uh life on a submarine in World yeah. War II. is
1: yeah. great film. Yeah. Yeah. It, amazing I, that he directed both of those. Wow.
0: Well, yeah. I, you know, when you really dig into it, is it amazing? <laughs> Cuz <'Cause laughs> well, who let him?
1: <laughs> <a>
0: brothers. So. <laughs> who allowed that? It's quite a, quite he's... He rocked film, up film, you know, and then then he moves on to a to a kids one. Yeah.
2: You do. I want I want. Yeah, I want to cleanse my palate um, and do something for children. <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> Just destroy it all. <laughs> Talk about the inherent new go oh. for it. Here's a million quid. Yeah. Make that film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, you were saying earlier on, Dave, about um, you know the whole German aspect of it, and I I seen a version of it once where in the um, in the bookstore at the start, you know, Bastian steals the the book and he leaves a note saying, "I'll bring your book back," but there is a version of it where even the note was written in German.
0: Yeah.
2: So, so they must have done a lot of that. I'm assuming then there's there's a version of the yeah, and where the book is in German on the front. The cover of the book, yeah, where the
0: never-ending story is written underneath the, the two snakes is, is in it yeah. as well. I can't remember. My German is not so good anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is It is in there. Um, and there are all these little, yeah, so these little um, things that they could replace were, were thrown in as well. And I, I don't know Like, you know, obviously you have a German director based on a book by a German author, but released by an American studio shot in Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Um, And I get the impression that there was just a nod to its heritage by, you know, replacing those those different Mm -hmm. items for the, the German release. And it was so much bigger in Europe as a film than it was in the U.S., as well so I think they probably were onto a winner with that um by just tipping the hat to to its origins um and certainly without the the worldwide box office on it it would have been a huge flop so you know it was it was clever by Warner Brothers maybe maybe one of the last clever things they did. <laughs> um, it was uh, certainly a clever move there um but fingers fingers crossed they're 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 coming back um uh, it looks like they've turned the corner with the with the DC movies
2: now with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I got them, It's you know? That was scattershot for quite a while.
0: Yeah, it was, you know. We'll see what the Flash brings, you know, but... Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Everyone it spoke friend. a lot whenever the uh, the trailer was just like, and Batman's going to be in it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> and
2: Flash. <laughs> and Flash is going to be in this movie. <laughs> Batman, look at Batman. <laughs> and it's, look at the Batmobile. Uh,
0: you knew... Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this other kid, but mostly Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Is dear. the car. They do dig the car.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, we'll see what, what, what that has to bring us. But um mm-hmm. just back on back on never-ending story. Um I could certainly see it being remade, whether it's a, a, you know, kind of a prestige TV series mm-hmm. that plays out over 12 hours or you know looking at you know the likes of Stranger Things and that that have, have done so well.
1: Um, Isn't it going to be a TV series? I think it is. I, is it? I think so. I remember I know it got picked up to do something and I'm pretty sure it was TV, but maybe, maybe it's another film so there, but uh, it's I definitely believe, in the works.
0: I believe there's issues over the rights mm. that are holding things up. The, the ownership is a bit complicated because the author who had a piece of it, he died in the 90s. So there's a state oh. involved there. And uh, Warners have a certain amount of rights over it, um, but not everything. Um, I think if they had everything, it, we would have seen it on HBO or something by yeah,
1: now, yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: whether as a
2: movie or a, a TV show. that uh, it's going to be something like the the author owns the name. Of the, of the book and then they won't go without it because that's obviously the most probably iconic part of it yeah uh, he didn't he didn't like the um the movie apparently oh, not. Right? yeah no he wasn't happy with it And it's a pretty faithful, like, adaptation of the first half of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just realized
1: how fucking depressing it was.
2: Yeah. He said, did I write this? (laughs) Oh. Oh, what the fuck did I I I do? do. I don't want to do the the stereotypical German thing of being like, but it's happy. It's upbeat. What? (laughs) You don't know happiness, do you? No. No, we don't. (laughs) We have a word for that. Um, Yeah, but it's...
0: Yeah, I think I'd love to see it as as something like that, you know. Yeah. Re, you know, done really, really well. I think mm-hmm. it was done really well. Yeah. Back in the yeah. day. And sometimes you don't need a remake, but I do That's think... That's actually how I
1: felt when I saw it got picked up. I went, oh. Mm, oh yeah, Lord, but we, yeah.
0: we got to enjoy it, right? And this is the thing. This mm. is where remakes... I'm always for remakes because there's a generation of kids who won't touch a movie from 1984. That may as well be yeah. from
2: 1944. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you know how we felt about black and white movies and stuff. Actually, you know, it's like eh, yeah.
0: old, you know? So they're
2: only really
0: going to interact with it if it's, you know, for them. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've had our fun, let them, let them yeah. have it now, you know? Um. So that's where I think remakes are important. Um. And, Every property will be remade for those reasons because That's there's a looks market. Every yeah. time. I mean, they there are some things people say. Oh, you can't touch. You know, you can't touch Back to the Future, and you can't touch Star Wars. And
2: mark my words, they will all be remade. Oh, they're, going to mm. so oh, <laughs> exactly. they're going
0: to touch it. Yeah, yeah. That sounds so
2: filthy. they're going to touch it. Oh they boy, are they are. they're going to get it all <laughs> over they're going to rub it? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> but uh, the good thing with, I suppose one of the reasons that like never end story can stand up is that all the practical effects are in the fantasy land. So there's none of that, like, you know, uncanny value where you have map paintings or something, mm-hmm. um, or practical effects in the real world. There's, you know, I can understand why people now would look at like the green screen things, you know, and be put off by it. But, um, yeah, for the most, but, and again, I'm, I'm tainted because, you know, best because, when I, we were kids when we seen it, but it just, I think it's still just a beautiful looking movie and I'll check out anything that they do with it. and the same, like I don't, there's always, you know, an opportunity to do something different with a remake. So Mm. give it a spin. And like Stephen King said about making movies of his books, if I don't like the movie, the book's on the shelf. Same with the, uh, you know, and if anything.
0: Rory, you're obviously a very successful comic book artist. Would you countenance, a comic book adaptation?
2: uh, Like working on one? Yeah, I think think it it would be
0: worthwhile to adapt The NeverEnding Story as a comic book.
2: I couldn't, it couldn't hurt. I mean, like you see what um, Boom have done with The Dark Crystal and expanding Mm -hmm. on that whole universe and I think um, likewise Mm -hmm. yeah, The NeverEnding Story is another thing that's just you can go anywhere with it. Um, yeah. and you've also got like a you know a customer customer base in there so yeah now that you said it it's like why hasn't there been all this time yeah. it is interesting a great I mean, one. It,
0: I love the when you get to the end of the original book it's an appeal to you as the reader to jump in and have yeah. that, you know and change change Fantasia and have your own adventure you know and there's something really appealing about doing that in a comic book yeah You know, there's, you know, comics have broken the fourth wall for, for years. Um, and I think it's a language that a comic reader is fairly used to as well. Mm -hmm. So you could probably, I think breaking the fourth wall in what is, you know, to all intents and purposes, a fantasy book hasn't really been done. It's been done to death with superheroes and She-Hulk and Deadpool and, um, but doing it in that kind of almost religious fantasy kind of world, you know, I think, I think there's something in that, you know.
2: Yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, you have, like,
1: we'll have to cut it so we can put this together and sell it for millions, guys. Yeah, yeah. Don't let yeah, anyone know we're actually, talking about Yeah. Well,
0: you know, we <laughs> yeah. don't own it, so it's work for hire, guys. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, got to be something, to know for like coming up with the idea, like an executive producer, if that's a thing in comics. We can get some royalties at least for thinking that. Oh, well, I get some royalties for being in the room when that idea was first, yeah. first, first heard out Coleman,
0: right. you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fantastic.
0: Well, look, uh, we, we don't like to uh, leave things on a downer, even though this is a
2: podcast about apocalypses. Oh, but can we do one more downer before we go? Let's go, let's go. The Rockbiter at the end. Like that's that thing that has stuck with me more than like the rest of the, the movie. Slump. Yeah, these big strong hands. Yeah, Uh it's something I still like. It's that whole like giving into the futility. You know, this the, the futility of of even trying of just being like I'm done. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, it's what like it's just, I don't know. I, I say it sometimes when I when I do stuff like and like something. There's a guy i like these big, strong hands <laughs> because uh, it, I don't know why. It's there's something about seeing someone so big and so strong who probably took their strength for granted, realizing like I'm up against something that I can't that mm-hmm. I that I can't do anything against, and it's taken everything I care about, mm-hmm. and if I'm lucky, it's going to take me too. Oh, yeah, break, breaks your mm-hmm. heart. Serious stuff It's yeah.
0: up there with uh, The Orange Giant's last word You know oh, it's, it's one it's of those
2: yeah, yeah yeah, Definitely man, one. That's, that's a movie that I never caught When it first came out And then I was watching it And I can't I think I was watching it With my niece and nephew And It was Bedlam In the room So I haven't actually Like emotionally connected With mm-hmm. that but um, since having kids, I can't watch Pixar movies anymore. No. <laughs>
1: <They're
2: laughs> Destroy me, so I'm definitely yeah. not trying the Iron Chant. Yeah, Coco, Coco
1: okay. has broken me a few times. Definitely, uh, that's, a, that's uh, another one actually, kind of close to the nothing where where they kind of die a second time. Yeah, that's I was yeah. going to say when you said about it, the guy in the hammock. Yeah,
2: like yeah, how yeah. can well, you go from having like a dirty a dirty song yeah. to like <laughs> that sweet, beautiful heartbreaking death? Yeah oh man they know how to do it it's um Absolutely. for me it's um what's name ping pong is it ping pong in uh in, in, in ping oh my god ping yeah in, in, oh when he yeah. when he jumps Inside. off the when he jumps off the 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 car yeah. rocket thing yeah, uh, yeah and she realizes yeah it was it was the first time that i realized having a child to change me because i'd seen it Before and it was kind of like a oh wow that's tough and I remember sitting with like my daughter on my knee and she's been great in that from she was like a year or so she would watch a movie you know you put her on your lap and she maybe watched twenty minutes and fall asleep so over the course of like a week we watched uh, Inside Out and I remember ugly crying like (laughs) on her like her head her head was just below my chin and trying not to like wake her up let her yeah let her know that I was ugly crying when I seen it and. uh, I told I told Nicole about it, and uh, my wife about it afterwards, and then I think she watched it too and it done the same thing to her. i um, there's uh, a
0: record of it here, Rory, because she can yeah. refer her back to it in therapy in about twenty years time Yeah, it's like I remember my this dad why crying.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's destroyed. <laughs> it's
1: why I can't watch Pixar movies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, They're they, the they, catch, you know, I yeah. wasn't ready for that either. Um, no, I remember at that point, I, 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 think like my wife was pregnant on our, 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 our child uh, at that point, and I remembered that moment. And I was about to break, and I just go. Uh, uh, I want a cup of tea. And I said, <laughs> Yeah, we to It's
0: weird because you went to see it
2: in the cinema. But
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> when I said it a bunch of men I said, You're out for tea, too. Yeah. Cheers, Sugars. Yeah, Bendel, do you drink tea? What's going on? <laughs> it's mostly tears, it's not tea. Uh, well,
0: as 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 terribly sad and everything as that is let's uh let's talk about something you want to you're looking forward to so um what's on what's on the slide for rory
2: um mostly now it's uh it's astonishing times so i'm onto this into like next maybe even as early or as as late on as like next summer um getting everything done and to like bring it back to what we're talking about, the the thing that I'm so excited about is like just the pure imagination of, like we get to make everything up. You guys are doing the same thing. Yeah, it's the like as as cool as it is to do Superman and Iron Man, and I'm not knocking that at all. It's class, but it's been great to come back and like do something where you get to just make it all up. You know, mm-hmm. put your own stamp on on the characters or take things wherever you want to go, and just uh, sit down with. You know your your co creators and generate ideas and then stitch them together into a story and then try to translate it individuals. It's it's just pure. It's like the 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 complete opposite of the nothingness. It's you're generating all this out of out of nothing. So that's what's got me me happy and excited for the next one.
0: Yeah, fantastic, man. And you we'll be seeing volume two. Do you know when? Do
2: you know? an idea we're, when... we're probably going to it's probably going to start coming out um maybe like beginning of the second quarter of of next year okay earlier as like the the artwork's going to be finished hopefully for all of it by June nice um so it's a case of getting everything else put together and then obviously whatever comicsology have going on like um we had we had pretty much everything finished for volume 1 um whenever it started coming out because we sure. we had the um the the first issue pushed back because while we were working on it scott snyder signed his deal and like the case comiXology rightly said don't bother putting your regard whenever we announce this because um obviously you know everybody's gonna gonna be going after the the um the snyder stuff so um depend on things like that as well what what you have in the pipeline but um mm-hmm. We'll be good to go uh, in another few months, and yeah, fingers so. crossed we can run, we can run with that. Um, and would be nice if we could get some single issue, you know, some like um physical issues out with Dark Horse. So I know like Scott Snyder's had that. We are no Scott Snyder's; like <laughs> we don't have the uh, the sway, but we've been like pushing for that this time. So that would be nice too to like broaden the reach. I know a lot of people like to wait for the the physical stuff, and we really want to get there a bit sooner than we did with the, uh, the trade. Yeah. It's quite a wait. So, but time will tell, um, how, how things
1: go with all that. My fingers crossed. I hope you do get back to it soon because yeah. uh, it was a stellar series and, uh, and you're right. Like it is, it is great fun kind of building your own world. You know, that's, that's yours. Yeah.
0: And how's your uh, experience of creating effectively first for digital and your digital audience? And then you know, having a having a physical book. Come out, are you seeing a difference in the audiences there, or do you do you get much feedback on the kind of digital side of us? the
2: The really interesting thing about what we have going on is with Aris and the um, the Variant Comics YouTube channel, which is mm-hmm. it's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was this great like synergy then with having a digital book, where like Aris could put up a or Varian can put up a a video and talk about the comic. And then there's literally like a link in the description. You click the link, you go through, you click that link. You've got a, you've got a comic book and it's, you know, it's all delivered in the one, it could be on your smartphone, your computer, sure. you know, your iPad. Like there was a great through line there. Um, the only thing was then all, all the feedback was all on like, YouTube comments and I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> Although I did, I did check for like on a few videos and yeah. it was amazingly um, supportive, but it's kind of like because of we've we've been successful, obviously, mm-hmm. and we've got another volume of this, but most of it is down to that audience. And as far as they're concerned, it's Aris's book. So right. he gets a lot of the feedback and I'm I'm not complaining like I'm getting to do what I love. And cool. um, that's, that's sort of warden enough for me and from Volume 1, I've been able to obviously go off and work on Marvel properties and work at DC. So like my, you know, my cake has plenty of icing without the feedback. But um I do know that even from the get-go, a lot of people were like, is it coming out physical? When's the trade coming out and stuff? So we'll see. It's only been out a few weeks. Um, So we'll see how, how I sort of did, you know, sales-wise and stuff soon enough. But I know Comicsology were... Really happy after like three issues, maybe I think when we hit issue three, and there's a thing because it's a comicsology original. Mm-hmm. If you have comicsology unlimited, you can read it for free, or if you have like Amazon Prime over here, you can read it for free.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but when issue three, uh, came out, issues four and five were on the bestsellers for like a while. You know, maybe yeah. a, a day or so on. That's um, awesome. And that means like people were actually paying for it as well, which is a nice which is a nice touch. So we know it's been doing well, but it's kind of like um you know that whole analogy of like being in a dark room with your hands on an elephant. We don't know we can't see it, all the numbers together because of the way the conversation uh, collate things. Yeah. 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 But at least we know we know from like pretty early on they we're happy and we're good to go with um yeah. volume two. It it's great. And uh I got to meet the or like, you know, the, the project leads from Comixology were at Thought Bubble yeah, last nice. weekend. So nice. I got to meet Chip, who, like, greenlit us for Volume 1. He's since moved on, but he was at Thought Bubble. And Bryce, who replaced Chip, was there too. So I got to meet both them, and they're all very excited to see issue yeah. two. So we sent yes. some some pages off soon. So there's a lot of support for it. That's all I know. And Not surprised. But, very good, man. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I, I'm really... I, I am very... I'm very proud of... Volume one, and then it's nice to have learned quite a lot from then, and like you know, going through the the Marvel, Dick DC process, and then coming back to be able to like funnel all that new knowledge and experience into Volume two. So I'm really happy with how the pages are going, and have uh, I've been doing a um, traditional again, like I've gone Ooh. there's a few nice. For the, uh, so that, the I've got like a whole
0: very shown whole, up original pages, which look phenomenal. Tight inks, man
2: yeah yeah i've been doing digital for quite a while just to keep up with um timelines and stuff on Mm -hmm. on the marvel books but um it's it's nice to sort of go back to to traditional and realize that that skill still transfers yeah you know you would sort of think that the 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 tablet does a lot of work for you but
1: yeah like Uh, i'm pretty impressed there's there's no make shiny button you only kind of get out what you put in you know yeah but they, those pages look fantastic. I,
0: I don't know, guys. Some artists have a make shiny button. I've seen, you know. Oh
1: yeah, I'd love to know where this uh, button yeah. is. Yeah. Press it all day. We won't, we won't, we won't,
0: we won't name them here. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting because it, like, you know, obviously, I don't do it, but I would certainly think that there's, a, it's a different skill, I suppose, in in working digitally than working traditionally just down to texture and pressure and those types of types of things. So, I mean, I could see how you'd be apprehensive about flicking between the two after so long in one, you know?
2: Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, the, 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 the real benefit of doing it, um, physically, you know, the traditional stuff is the sense of scale is always there. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's that thing you can get lost at like, you know, if you zoom in too close to do one thing and then forget to zoom out, you can, lose so much time or even oh, just no, i
1: spent five hours drawing an eyelash oh, no. yeah <laughs> you know
2: but i i found for a long time even just getting like line weights pro you know right mm. like i would be inking something digitally and thinking it looks good and then especially working on superman with kian where i could see my inks and then his inks and realize oh man my inks are so like light you know the the and his take lines or something yeah mm. you know and you could really you could look at his page and like tell you know everything apart the characters from the background and stuff because were so well defined with nice thick lines and I thought mine were until I seen that whereas if you have a page you know on a table um there's no there's no confusion there you know about your yeah. line weights and stuff so each has their benefits there's also just you know the the fill button to like fill in your inks saves hours yeah um, sure does. versus like mm-hmm.
1: I used yeah, to like, like um, to, to combat the scale thing. I used to like uh, when I was using Photoshop. I'm using Clip Studio and Sketchbook now, but I'd always open up um, the navigation panel on another screen. Ah. so like I would constantly be able to see like uh, the picture in its full view. That's as good. As it was it just a small one on the other screen? that I'm drawing on, so I, I I couldn't get lost anymore. It saved me a lot of time. You know, I like that. And go. I found out um, recently you can double click the window on Photoshop so you can have a second window up that like doesn't move and records what you're doing. It's kind of like the same idea as a navigation. I only found it like a few weeks ago. Oh like, well, wow. That would I'm be on great yeah. uh, Clip Studio as well, but
2: I'll definitely um utilize you know the second screen for something like that yeah. because the navigation Window is fantastic for like even at the size that it's at on the tablet. If you can look and, and sort of get a fur idea of where the characters and stuff are, yeah, then you know you're doing it. Like I would, the only thing I've been doing is like keeping it at like twenty five to thirty three percent because mm-hmm. once you reduce it down to like the print size, that's you know when you like reduce it down the the dimensions. It the percentage bars registers like oh you're you're going down to like thirty three percent of the scale that you were working at. So. If I go anywhere past that, I'm going to yeah trouble. I'm town. going to lose all yeah. that detail. Yeah, yeah. so but yeah. I like the uh, the navigation window. That'll be going to happen first thing tomorrow. I wish I had thought of that like fucking years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these things. <laughs> it's one of these the things sharpest, you don't you, know? you don't know unless you talk to like other creators and everybody because there's no one way to do this job. Yeah, you just yeah. have to like pick up tidbits along the way.
1: Yeah. I've been screaming oh, to the guys in a lot of this to put it into Sketchbook Pro because that would just be amazing because they don't have it. and it's uh, I, I, I've i gone back to doing a lot of drawing of that now. And um, it would be it would just be a huge advantage, you know, because Clip Studio has this fantastic setup where you, you get to save your workspace, you know? Yeah. So, like, uh, I don't have to think about doing it anymore. But when I was working on Photoshop, I had to have set it up every time. But, like, with uh, Clip Studio, I just activate that workspace. It's up on the big screen. I can get to work. I don't have to worry about it.
2: I done um, Northern Ireland Comic Con a month or so ago with with PJ Holden, and that was just a tre- treasure trove of information table the beside him he was like, if you change, and he gave me like a whole list of shortcuts to change mm. tools to for to speed it up. So, um, I've just been like streamlining the whole thing, which is a nice thing too for whenever you've got deadlines and stuff. He was um, nice, are, so. PJ's the best man.
0: That attracts. Yeah. PJ PJ's got the mind of a coder as well, hasn't he? Yeah, so yeah.
1: yeah, He could he could Some, work way around. It. He's also It's all set up practice, you
2: know? Yeah, but he's got like the way he can communicate ideas to people as well is something. It's such a rare skill. Like I was sitting at a table next to him, and <clears throat> the first thing he was telling me about his son, you he know, he's making his own comics sure. and monkey um, arms. And, monkey yeah, arms. A monkey That's arms. it. The Incredible uh, monkey, yeah. monkey Arms and PJ was like, well, if you want to if you want to start making comics, um, you know, he knew the process and stuff. He's like, if you finish one, I'll get it printed for you. And he's like, that was the angle then to have the comic, not just to like write something because then you'll stop. Yeah. Um. But there was a kid apparently came to his table, and this kid was like, I love the boys, and his dad was behind him like he's he's never seen the boys, he's never read the boys, but even just it must be through the promotion or something. <laughs> this kid was mad about you know the boys. And PJ had this great idea. He was like, you know, get your dad to like screenshot a page from the comic and like blank out all the the speech bubbles because you don't don't need to read that stuff. (laughs) And then you can write your own voice comic. You can decide what they're saying. And obviously your dad will pick a page that doesn't have the gore on it. And Mm -hmm. uh, like let this kid, you know, this great idea to like write comics, but also based on something that he was really interested in, which I thought was like... I've never heard that suggestion before, but it's, it's true. Yeah. Never heard it. Yeah. So
0: back when I was trying to figure out how to, how to write comics, um, I was lucky enough to speak to Garth Dennis about it. I was a kid. I was like 18 or 19, I think at the time. And Garth gave me some invaluable advice, which was take a 22 page American comic and rewrite it for six pages. So his point being that comics are all about using the visual language to its fullest. So you don't need all those words. You don't need Mm -hmm. all that exposition. And by the time a comic has come out at 22 pages, that's all been edited out already. You know, the, the, the writer has done his own editing. The editor has given, given suggestions, but it can always be compressed further. And you can still get the get the story across, and if you can do that, then you can write comics. Mm-hmm. Then wow. having twenty two pages is a luxury, you mm-hmm. know. And you've got so much room to work within, you know. And I still look at books today, and I go, "Yeah, I can, I'm gonna give that one a crack. See if I can if I can boil it down. Oh, really? Bare bones, you know? Yeah, but um, but that's like you know the the thing PJ was doing. Um, it's like taking Something you know to get people trained up into into how to create a comic or how to write a comic, you know to take something that already exists and just rewrite your own story over it. You know is you know I can I can I can see where you know that uh, Northern Irish mafia got together and uh, mm. they when they were kids and tried to figure out how to do things. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can see I can see Garth's influence there or PJ's influence. Uh-huh. On Garth or, Whoever whoever came up with the idea first, and if it's, I'll probably end up talking to PJ before I talk to garth So if it was PJ, yeah, it probably was PJ. So yeah,
2: <laughs> get in there quick. Yeah, yeah. Trade market. Exactly. The holding approach.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is pretty cool. Um, okay, Rory, we're gonna leave it there. But listen, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the odds Spot. We've had a
2: great uh, yeah. Thanks very much for having me. It's pleasure hanging out with you guys. But this has been a great chat as well. And before you go where can people mm-hmm. find you Um so I've only just I've been at this 10 years and I've only just realized it's probably a bad idea to use my first name for my like handles and stuff but it's a little too late for Twitter and Instagram but if you go to com, you can find links to like my socials and stuff there right. and uh, anything new like TikTok and stuff it's just Comic Art from here on out
0: Fantastic Very good Okay, man. Well, um, thanks again for being on the odds pot, and Thank best you, of luck with astonishing times. Can't wait to see it, and, and congratulations on everything today, to yeah. Superman.
2: Thank you. I can't wait for the comic, guys. And do you have a date for when it's coming out?
1: I'll hand you over to Ben on that one. Yeah, we're looking. We're looking at a mid next year. It's it's taking a bit of a hit, okay. so it's going to kind of slow, but uh, it should be out then. You know. Uh, Absolutely really brilliant Slowly tipping away on it You know probably we'll uh, be able
2: to like Compete with you on
1: the shelves Ah awesome I'm a big fight <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Excellent I, I don't wait. like my chances <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know I've been sitting down a lot Drawing comics I think anyone could, uh, would, uh, would beat me at this stage You know Yeah uh, Oh yeah, like I'd be, my,
2: I'm just hunched over permanently. Just, <laughs> you can push me and I'll fall. And I'm not balanced That's for a fight <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what I prefer. <laughs> yeah. What I'm worried is I'll turn into that kind of bowling pin thing where someone will push me over and for some reason I'll just pop back up again. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <what> happens? yeah, <laughs> you just wear me out. I think
0: a, I think a fairer and probably more hilarious way of um, sorting out any differences between you would be to you know get two comic book artists to, to run a race. Just uh, <laughs> see how tired, get you know. Yeah,
2: do, do just, it just yeah. directly post deadline where we've been like up all night and eating junk food and <laughs> yeah. oh, running. Running. Yeah.
0: too much sugar. Yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh man! Oh, just think of the just think of the sweat <laughs> and the sounds. Amazing.
1: The, uh, the, the the real the real like the winner is the guy who's not he's in front so he's not smelling the other guy who hasn't yeah. showed that there you know? <laughs> yeah. winner is everyone else <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right guys we we'll leave it there thanks so much
2: fantastic thanks nice, Rory thank you
0: thanks for joining
1: us on the odds pod subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics and please tell us what your favourite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Bennessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at
0: Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer Adrian Carty and we'll see you at the end of the world.